Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's June 20th, 1756, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ollie. The Retrospectors. Figure to yourself, my friend, if possible, the situation of 146 wretches crammed together in a cubicle of about 18 feet in a close, sultry night in Bengal. This was how the East India Company's John Zephaniah Holwell described the Black Hole of Calcutta, a tiny prison in pre-colonial India into which scores of people were reportedly stuffed today in history in 1756, a story whose horrors seem almost conveniently calibrated to become a patriotic rallying point to justify the rise of the British Raj. Yeah, his account is very lurid. You know, it has the prisoners sucking desperately at each other's sweat-soaked shirts for moisture. You know, they, they tried to take their clothes off, but then they're slipping on one another and falling and being trampled. They're drinking their own urine, falling into delirium. I mean, of himself, Holwell conveniently writes that he had faced death many times, quote, with too much propriety to be alarmed at the prospect, <laughs> and indeed felt much more for my wretched companions than myself. Uh, and there are moments where he's negotiating with the guards. He's trying to get them water. You know, it's a very conveniently framed account of Holwell amid all of this pandemonium. <laughs> okay, before we dig too deeply into the 18th century literature, can I just represent those of us listening who may not have realised that the Black Hole of Calcutta was ever a real place? Mm. <laughs> um, if you look it up in the Cambridge Dictionary, uh, it is still listed as, quote, an unpleasantly full and hot room. Sample quotation given, one guest at the crowded reception was heard to mutter, it's like the Black Hole of Calcutta in here. <laughs> And the reason that the words still have common currency is because of the events that happened on this day in 1756. But actually, in a way, more importantly, as you're alluding to, the account of it that was given afterwards uh, by John Howell, a tax collector for the East India Company in Fort William in Calcutta, where he'd become the chief magistrate on this day when the Bengali ruler decided it was time to take Calcutta back. Yeah, so a bit of background here. By the end of the 17th century, effective power in the Mughal Empire had fallen into the hands of these Nawabs, of which Siraj ud-Dawla was one. They're kind of the provincial governors of the region. And this was at a time when the British and the French were building up their competing commercial empires in India. And by 1756, the East India Company, which had established a trading base in Calcutta faced a direct threat from the French interests in the region. And so to safeguard its main fort, which was Fort William, the company decided basically to strengthen its defences. So this enraged Siraj Uddala, who was the local Nawab, and he gathered a large force that consisted of 50,000 troops, as well as 50 cannons and 500 elephants, and marched towards Fort William. 
Yeah, he was rightly enraged. You know, this is before the British Raj. You know, there was no British Empire in India. Technically, the East India Company and the French East India Company operated under the benevolence of local rulers, although in practice they frequently overstepped their boundaries. And that was the case here as well. You know, the East India Company had been building up Fort William and they had been ordered by Dowla to stop and they just ignored him. Well, they certainly were guilty of mission creep, weren't they? I mean, you know, the, the East India Company was a company. They were founded during the rule of Queen Elizabeth I. They were designed to enrich Britain by trade with India. And over time, they started commanding private armies. They started developing huge influence and power. They started building factories and trading posts and running the place. You can understand why, if you're from that part of India, this thing that was supposedly supposed to be a mutual relationship to begin with has ended up lording over you is not going to be something you're going to be particularly pleased about. Yes, but still, Fort William was in this really dilapidated state. On the day that Dowler was coming in their direction, their gunpowder was completely damp, rendering their mortars entirely unusable. And Holwell, you know, he was much more taxman than he was military general, and he only had 170 soldiers at his disposal, And really, you know, this battle occurred, but he was compelled to surrender very quickly on the afternoon of June the 20th. Yeah, and his everlasting disgust, the governor of the fort and many of the other East India Company officials fled the advancing forces, leaving behind this skeleton garrison of a couple of hundred people, you know, about 160 British soldiers, and then a couple of hundred more random militiamen and volunteers. And then, according to his account, those who hadn't fled or been evacuated were rounded up and put into what became known as the Black Hole of Calcutta, which was a dungeon basically, that measured roughly 14 by 18 feet. I mean, it is small. It would have been unpleasant. It actually, I presume, would have been put in by the British based on the kind of thing that you actually see in the Hertfordshire village where I live. We have a little cell that's on the village pond here which says, be sober, above it. And it was a a cell where you chuck in miscreants for alcoholic misdemeanors overnight until the police get there the next morning to arrest them. It's where you throw drunk people in for misbehaviour. That's presumably what this cell was designed for. A slap on the wrists, not for permanent captivity, not for large numbers of people. But according to Holwell's account... Far too many people were crammed in there. Yeah, so the number that he said was 146 British prisoners who were stuffed into this tiny little hole. But later historians have picked up on exactly what you were saying, Rebecca, which is that he was over-egging it to make himself and his tale look a bit more grand and a bit more outrageous. Look, it wouldn't have been pleasant. You know, these are nights when it's going to be 40 degrees Celsius and, you know, very thick uh, with humidity. And being in such a confined space is not going to do anyone any good. The prisoners who were in there, as well as suffering all of those horrors that Rebecca mentioned at the top, were also trying to bribe their way out. And gradually, as the night went on, getting increasingly desperate until they started to perish either at the hands of the press that was going on to try and get air from the windows or even find a way to sort of budge their way out, or just the stifling conditions themselves. You can imagine the torment of being trapped in a room being propped up against the bodies of people who had just fainted and might be dead would psychologically be enough to make you want to faint, right? 
And then, of course, you've got to remember what they're wearing. Like, you kind of think, oh, it's India, so they were wearing linens or something. But they weren't. They were wearing tricorn hats Mm. and military gear, you know? And, of course, taken at Holwell's word, it is a really grotesque account. But his account has been called into question by later generations of historians, particularly Indian scholars. I mean, one of these, a guy called Saeed Amin Ahmad, wrote in 1935, Mr. Holwell was undoubtedly a man of talent, and had he taken to fiction writing as a profession, he would have shone as one of the luminaries of 18th century England. But... (laughs) Orwell himself was only able to name 52 of the 156 prisoners that supposedly were in the black hole of Kolkata. And many historians have settled on that as being a more realistic estimate of how many people could have been in there. You know, they've established that most of the casualties died in the fighting around Fort William itself. And it doesn't help that claiming to have been in the black hole of Kolkata became a bit of a badge of honour, you know, for soldiers returning from India or just, you know, any wandering beggar on the street could invent the tale that they'd been in the black hole of Kolkata. It was something that resonated throughout Europe and particularly in the UK but you know if you could tell that story and claim that bit of history lots of people did do that which just made it even harder to establish how many people were in there in the first place but it almost certainly wasn't 146. Yeah, Holwell referred to the entire experience as a night of horrors I will not attempt to describe as they bar all description. Which was his preface to then describing it in detail. Yeah, <laughs> into a great deal of depth in his account of the whole thing the following year, which was called A Genuine Narrative of the Deplorable Deaths of the English Gentlemen and Others Who Were Suffocated in the Black Hole. And this was a story that really inspired this great deal of rage at Indians in like generations of Britons and inspired at the the very least, the relief expedition that was led by Robert Clive, which was immediately put together and subsequently arrived in Calcutta in October. And that was where, you know, the the force of the British Empire began to fight back. Yeah, so Clive went to battle with the Nawab and defeated him. And back home, Brits, because of Howell's pamphlet, were led to believe that those actions were justifiable vengeance for the appalling mistreatment of their countrymen. I mean, obviously, in both cases, there was clearly an atrocity that happened. I suppose the the atrocity of the black hole itself was accidental. I mean, they didn't care what happened to those guys when they put them in the cell, but they weren't intending to kill them. Whereas, obviously, when the Brits then turned up, you know, sword spared, they were very much intending to kill them. And and reclaim it back. And actually, kind of a side note is that I don't think that Holwell's intention was to denigrate India and Indians. He actually, kind of a strange dichotomy, like a lot of colonial administrators, he had a really strong interest in Indian culture, laws, religion. You know, he was a vegetarian. He was one of the first British colonists to study Hindu scripture. He learned Bengali and Persian. I think his aim was really about how unprotected the garrison had been left and how badly the East India Company officers had conducted themselves. You know, he wasn't trying to portray it as an example of Indian barbarism, but that was the way that it was interpreted. And it's funny, as you say, Ollie, the way that the black hole of Calcutta still exists in the psyche of... It's almost like a a punchline in jokes. It's just become this sort of shorthand for saying either something's very grim or this is overcrowded and, and, and that in itself is a curious upshot of this moment. I think it really says something as well about the colonialist mindset that 250 years later we're still talking about an incident where probably a couple of dozen people died accidentally in an overcrowded cell. Whereas you can imagine that lots of languages in the world, if they had an idiom for every British yeah. atrocity, <laughs> would be littered with rich idioms. Tomorrow. For a thousand years... Let the Chinese tremble at the approach of a German. 
Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors.